You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't, nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Good morning. You're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, we are on episode 198, so we're getting close. We're almost to 200. Uh, it's been it's been a long journey, and I appreciate all you listeners. But anyhow, today our topic is how to contain mold without mitigation. It's something I get asked quite often, and I understand that you can't always just call a mold mitigation company and they show up that day or the next day. You know, we're typically several weeks out when it's a mold mitigation job, so it takes, you know quite a bit actually for us to get a bid, get it accepted, get all our materials ordered, get the scheduling taken care of. So I get asked all the time, so what do we do from the point that we discover a mold infestation until we can have the mitigation done? I want to be very clear that all work should always be done by a certified mold mitigation technician. But I also understand that you can't always get those technicians out there in a timely manner. So what I'm going to talk to you about is how we do things. I'm obviously not encouraging you to do this on your own, but I understand that sometimes it happens. What is the purpose of our mold containment? Well, the purpose of it is to prevent cross-contamination, meaning we don't want the contaminated air from a moldy bathroom to be spread throughout the home. The containment is literally to keep all of that dirty air inside that bathroom, which obviously if you were to put a containment up, you wouldn't use that bathroom. Uh, Sometimes it could be in a bedroom, could be in an attic, could be in numerous places, but the purpose of that containment is to prevent cross-contamination. What would constitute a containment? 
for me, it's an easy answer. Any mold infestation must have a containment put up around it. Whether it's toxic mold, stachybotrys, or if it's common molds, any infestation is not common. So if we see an infestation, that's when you would put up a containment. So the next question obviously would be, so what do we use for containment? Once again, I'll tell you how we do it and what we use. But we always use clear plastic sheeting. Typically, if we can, we always use at least a 4 mil thickness. So plastic sheeting comes in different thicknesses. You can get a painter's plastic sheeting that's not even 1 mil thick. So that's pretty much a something you would cover things up with. It's not a plastic that we would use as far as mold mitigation technicians. But up to uh, 4 is typically things we don't use four and higher is what we use uh, when it comes to things like a crawl space vapor barrier we usually jump up to a at least a six sometimes it's an eight sometimes it's a ten sometimes we use reinforced plastic sheeting but that's not necessary for containment so i would recommend that you use at least four mil plastic if you don't have that on hand or you can't find any any type of plastic that's not able to get holes poked into it will work and so what you do is is you'll if you're going to the hardware store you need to figure out how many one by fours you need because that's what we use one by four pine we use that to staple our plastic to we roll it a few times we have actual wall jacks that we use and if you're asking so what's a wall jack there's different systems i guess is the best way to say it there's a, a company called zip wall that's probably the most popular a company you've probably heard of but Zipwall has jacks and they're literally these jacks that we use to quickly once we have the plastic on the one by four we can put it right up against the ceiling we can put those jacks underneath it to keep it tight uh, then we can attach it to the floor and then to the walls we don't staple things to walls it's best to use Typically, painter's tape is what we use, but any type of tape that will not pull the paint off is the best way to uh, adhere the plastic to the walls. If you're going to do a bunch of remodeling, it wouldn't hurt anything to put that 1x4 up against the wall, and then you could screw it to the wall, or you could staple it, whatever works, however you want to secure it. But typically, we're, we try to do the least amount of damage that we can, so we don't we don't attach it that way. We just, we put a one by four there and get it tight uh, between the ceiling and the floor. So at the floor level, we, we typically have another one by four that, that keeps it tight. Cause you need to keep in mind, once this containment's up, depending on where it is, let's say it's down a hallway, that containment is gonna be, it's gonna have airflow. Whether it's coming from the inside of the containment where the mold is, or if it's coming from the house side or the the entryway that plastic will you'll notice that it'll it'll push in or push out so it's it's something that you do need to make sure you have secured as far as the floor how you secure it to the floor that's up to you just like a sill or like the walls we put those one by fours from the ceiling to the floor a lot of times when we're doing mold mitigation we put floor protection down that's usually done with whatever brand but ram board is the the more popular type uh, it's a little bit more expensive than the, the generic brands but it's it's a great floor protector so what we do is we tape the plastic to that the whole point is is we don't want to have any airflow from the contaminated area which would be let's say it's the bathroom 
into the rest of the home. One thing that I get asked all the time is, is, well, does a containment have doors in it? A lot of it depends on where you're putting up the containment. And I'm not going to go into every bit of detail, but let's just say you have a room in your basement that is full of mold. And we want to contain that so that you're not exposing everybody else throughout the, the entire home to that moldy air. You literally would go in, you would tape up the HVAC register in there. If there's a return vent, that's a whole different story. You, you can't just tape that up if you're going to use your, your furnace. So once again, that's why you get the professionals involved. But you, anyhow, you would tape up that register. Uh, you would close that door and you would put up vapor barrier there or the plastic sheeting, you would literally run that all the way down the hall and then out that door in your basement. So you literally, you would have a corridor where you can go from the outside, which is obviously fresh air, down a hallway into that room and you're not contaminating anything else. A lot of times you should keep in mind that if we do put doors in, we usually put a secondary containment. Uh, the purpose of that is obviously... You know, when you have a, a door, which it's not technically a door in a containment, it's a zip, it's a zip wall. And once again, zip, zip systems is the, typically the brand that most uh, mitigation companies use, but it's literally like zippers. Um, obviously when you're opening that door, you don't want to contaminate all the other air. So you do put up a secondary containment and that's, once again, that's why you hire the professionals. We we understand the air pressures. We understand the air scrubbers, what they're going to do to the containment. We know how to, you know, put a secondary containment up, when to put it up. So that's something you really should keep in mind that, you know, you don't just throw some plastic up and call it good. If you were to, let's just say, put plastic up for that bedroom and you didn't tape off the register, you didn't really do a, a hallway containment every time there's a pressure change in the air you could be distributing those mold spores throughout your home so it's it's very important that you know what you're doing and that you do put the containment up properly now one of the biggest questions i i would get and you're probably wondering you're saying okay so we have this containment up and you know, we're we googled it we watched some youtube videos we looked at some pictures we feel like it's it's pretty standard as far as what professionals would do. So what do you do once it's up? Well, that's when we come in as far as the mitigation side. If you were to call me and say, hey, Steve, you know, we, we have a mold concern. We didn't want the mold to get to everywhere else throughout the home or the mold spores. So we put up a containment. Can you come in and give us a bid? We can come in, do our bid, do the mitigation, and then we we approach the, when does this containment come down? To answer the question, like when does the containment come down? It all depends on what's going on. And when I say that, you know, if you have a mold infestation, you should be in contact with a mold mitigation company. You should be making sure that you're, you're taking care of it. You know, sometimes you get the insurance company involved. It might be a newer home that when I say newer, the contractor warranty is still in effect. Like you want to get other people involved. A containment is never, and I say never because you should never do it. A containment is not something that is permanent. So you can't just say, well, you know, we're going to sell this home in, in five years, five months, 10 years, however long it is. We're going to put this containment up. We're not going to use this room 
So we're not going to worry about it. It is not a permanent fix. So that's something I just wanted to, to, to make sure you're fully aware of. But when does the containment come down? Well, if we come in and we do all the mitigation, we run our air test in that in that bedroom that we said that the mold was in. Once everything looks good on our end, then you can pull that containment down. So that containment should stay in place until after air testing has been performed. It's not, this isn't something where you're going to put it up because you see viable mold, when I say viable, active mold growth. You don't just put it up until that mold growth goes dormant and it's not spreading anymore. You have to keep that containment up until you have mitigated all the mold concerns. Otherwise, you're just going to spread everything throughout the home. Just to, to review and reiterate a few things. The mold containment is there to prevent cross-contamination. So we don't want those mold spores to go from the bedroom, bath, whatever, whatever it is, bedroom, bathroom, mechanical room, crawl space. We don't want that dirty air to affect the rest of the home. That brings up a question. So is it safe for you to be living in the home once containment is up? My easy short answer is no. And I say that because if you've listened to my podcast long enough, you know, even when we do mold mitigation, we do not want you in the home. It's just, it's not, it, the chemicals we're using plus the mold, everything is, is fairly toxic. It's not ideal air quality. So we don't want you in there. Are there situations where, yes, you can put up a containment, you can make sure it's suitable and there's no cross-contamination and you can live there? Absolutely. But you have to do this with with a professional involved. So once again, that's what a containment is for. Who should be putting it up? Obviously professionals, but if you can't do that, you should have minimum four mil thickness plastic sheeting. Use one by fours, jacks, whatever you have to secure it. Then you want to tape everything at the walls and at the floors, the ceiling if necessary. And then you keep that containment up until the mold mitigation company tells you or they take it down. Keep in mind, it's not a permanent fix. Don't say to your wife or, you know, if you're the wife listening, don't run to your husband and say, hey, this mold specialist said it's cool. We can put this containment up and we're good to go. We don't have to worry about the mold. Don't do that. The air quality isn't something you want to mess with, so make sure that you're addressing everything. So, my call to action for all of you. If you believe you have a mold concern, make sure you contact a professional. If they're not able to get out there, go off of their recommendations. But if they're not recommending what I'm telling you, you must tape off the HVAC vents and put a containment up for that room and make sure no air can get from that room that has mold in it to the other living areas in the home. My latest book is Inside Toxic Mold. It's my fifth book. It is available in paperback, hardback, ebook, and audible formats. So you can go to amazon.com. I will also put a link in the comment section below this podcast. But if you go to amazon.com, you type in Stephen Worsley, it'll pull up all my books. So make sure you go check out the latest book, Inside Toxic Mold. Once again, this was episode 198. Have a wonderful day. 
thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the mold investigation checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free mold investigation checklist today. You can also on cnccontractorservices.com find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.